And I was looking around during worship and I had to smile because I saw so many familiar faces. And I was thinking about how so many of you have been with us at these series from the very beginning. And so we've, we've been doing these for the last four years or so. It's the man series. So we started with the spirit-led man, then the spirit-empowered man, and then the kingdom man, and the anchored man, and the righteous man, and the focused man, and the praying man. And last year, I really sensed the Lord begin to drop into my heart and mind uh, the theme of resilience. And so this has just been marinating for a while, been praying about this and thinking about this. And one of the really fun things that I've been able to do over the last several months is I've been able to sit with a lot of older men, sages, men in their 60s and 70s and 80s, men who have run a strong race and are finishing strong. And I've just been peppering them with questions, asking them, how have you cultivated a resilient life? How are you in your 70s and you still have a fire inside of you? And the wisdom that's poured out of these sages has been awesome. It's been rich. And so I'm going to be sharing that over the course of the series. And I think it's going to encourage you. I think it's going to bless you. But I want to give you a spoiler right up front. When I ask these older men about how they've cultivated a resilient life, right, spoiler alert, they talk a lot about Jesus. <laughs> and I'm not talking about, they talk about Jesus the way that a kid in Sunday school talks about Jesus. You know, for a kid, a little boy in Sunday school, the answer to every question is Jesus. You know, they say it with kind of, they roll their eyes, Jesus. But these are men, they talk about Jesus in their 70s and 80s. And for some of them, tears would well up in their eyes just talking about him. You can see the passion. You can see the fire in them. And it's just been a fresh reminder for me that we, uh, we belong to a church with a lot of resilient men. We have a lot of resilient men in this church. And this is a resilient church, isn't it? I mean, if you've been around New Life for a while, you know this is a resilient church. If you think about what we've been through as a church the last 16 or 17 years, I mean, this should be a used car lot. I mean, this funny-looking building that we're worshiping in, this funny-looking building could be a greenhouse for a pot dispensary, not a room where a few hundred men are gathering to worship to seek the presence of the Lord. This is a resilient church because of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And another big reason why we're, we've been a resilient church is because of resilient men like you who have put your roots deep down in the Lord and you've weathered the storm and you've worshiped and you've prayed and you've, you've just gone after the Lord. And so during worship, I just sense the Holy Spirit say, I'm proud of these men. He's proud of you. He sees you. He sees your faithfulness. And so what I want to do tonight, I want to put a definition of resilience in front of you, a picture of a resilient life, and then put two simple thoughts in front of you, and then we'll, we'll uh, carry on at the tables. But in terms of a definition, let's start with a simple definition of resilience. Now, the, the dictionary defines resilience as something that returns to its original position or posture. So picture a, a, a beach ball that's being pushed underwater. What's it want to do? Of course, it wants to rise back to the surface. That's resilience. 
And so a resilient life, a resilient man is the kind of man who, when the storms and the trials and the heartache and all of the stuff that comes at us, it tries to push us under slowly but surely. A resilient life is the kind of life that rises back. And a picture of this is the Apostle Paul. If you think about the Apostle Paul and everything that he had to endure, the persecution and the suffering and the imprisonment and the lashings and on and on it goes, there was so much that came at Paul to push him down, down, down. But because of the resurrecting power of the resurrected one, he continued to rise, didn't he? And here's a spoiler alert. Paul was very, very clear about where the power came from for him to continue to rise. Yes, he shared in the sufferings of Jesus, but he also shared in the resurrection power. He continued to rise. He drew from a power far greater than his own. And day after day and year after year, he lived this long obedience in the same direction. And so when he got to the end of his life, he was able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, those are words that mark a resilient life. Those are words we all want to echo, right? We all want to be able to stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done. We all want to be able to say, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the the faith. Now, I do want to uh, highlight kind of a side note here, but I think it's an important side note that Paul does call it a fight. Paul says, I have, I have fought the good fight, but I think it's important that we don't race past it, that Paul is saying, you know what, I've got to the end, but it was a fight. Then in Ephesians 6, he says, we wrestle against principalities, against powers. So this language that Paul is using, he's he's helping us know what to expect in this Christian life. It is a fight. It is a wrestling match. And and we have to know, we have to expect it, right? Because my concern, here's one of my big concerns right now as I look across the landscape of our culture. One of my big concerns for us as men is that the culture is lulling us to sleep in our little comfort bubbles. And then all of a sudden, when we're surprised, in a surprising way, we're called into the ring, we're called into this fight we didn't see coming, we're called to the mat, this wrestling match we didn't see coming, and we didn't ask for, we're like, whoa, what is happening? I didn't sign up for this. But I think the Apostle Paul is saying, actually, you did. We wrestle. Actually, you kind of signed up for the wrestling team without even knowing it. I got this. My dad's right over here. He just retired a couple of years ago. 45 years of teaching and coaching. He was coaching football and wrestling, and he coached junior high wrestling for most of those 45 years. I mean, he's a saint. Coaching junior high boys in wrestling for 40 years. That's a resilient man. But he... This is what he would do on the first day of wrestling practice. I love, I love this. He would, on the first day of wrestling practice, he would get on the school PA system, 
And he would make a school-wide announcement. He would say, uh, attention boys, we're having a mandatory meeting at 3.30 in the, g- the gym. Everybody needs to be there. And so when all of these little boys would show up in the gym, you know, they're expecting to go home and play video games. They're thinking, well, okay, I got to go to this mandatory meeting, then I'm going to go play whatever. And so they would show up in the gym, and my dad would say with a smile on his face, hey, thanks for coming, guys. As you know, this is the first day of wrestling practice, so I'm so glad you've decided to come out for wrestling. (laughs) And he would just march them all right down to the wrestling room right there and start the season. And you've got these boys looking around like, wait, what? (laughs) Wrestling? We signed up for the wrestling team? But I think of that story when I think about Paul saying, hey, we wrestle. We fight. Because if we, if, if we know it, guys, if we know that this Christian life is a fight, it's a wrestling match in, in many ways, then we have to learn how to fight. We have to learn how to wrestle. And that shouldn't scare us because here's the awesome thing. We don't wrestle in our own strength. We don't wrestle in our own power. We, res- we wrestle with the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So yeah, it's a fight. We've got to be ready for it, of course. Yes, it's a wrestling match, but we don't wrestle in our own strength. We wrestle in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And as I sat with these older men, these sages, and I asked them to tell me their stories, every single one of these men had scars. Every single one of these sages had stories of their own fight, stories of their own wrestling match. And they were honest. They would say, Gabe, I didn't always get it right. There were times when I felt like I was getting pummeled a little bit by life. There were times when I drifted. There were times when I wandered. I was away from God. But to a man, every single one of these guys who are finishing strong in their 70s and 80s, to a man, they all learned how to come back to Jesus often. And here's the first of the two points. A resilient life requires that we return to Jesus often. And I say return because as men, we tend to drift at times. We do tend to wander from time to time. We drift. There is so much that calls for our attention on a daily basis. We get distracted. We we chase after different things. We wander. We end up in the ditch. Sometimes we end up in the pig pen, right? But to all of us, Jesus calls and he says, come to me. In the middle of a busy, demanding, stressful day. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, come to me today. Yes, I see the work you need to do, but let's do it together. Come to me. Or maybe you've drifted and maybe you're in a season right now. You felt like you're wandering far from God. He looks at you and he says, come to me. That's one thing that every single one of us have in common. Every single one of us. Jesus is continually saying three words to us. Come to me. And we see this in the Gospels. In in multiple places in the Gospels, we see Jesus standing up and saying, come to me. In John chapter 7, I love this story. It was the last and greatest day of the festival. And people were, you know, kind of wondering about Jesus and wanting to trap him. And he stood up in a loud voice and he proclaimed, he, he yelled, If anyone is thirsty, 
Let them come to me and drink, and I will give them living water. And I, lo- I love that picture of Jesus because I believe that is precisely what he's still saying to us today in 2022. He's saying to us as men, come to me if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is tired, come to me. You know, I sensed him saying this to me just last week. I was in a situation where we had a, a, a health uh, emergency with one of our kids, and I took... I took my daughter into the emergency room, and they said, we're going to have to transport her uh, via ambulance to Denver. And those are words that no dad wants to hear. And so I'm driving to Denver following the ambulance. Just my mind is racing a lot faster than I was able to drive. And I had all of these questions for God, and what's going to happen, Lord, and what do we do? And, And you know what he said? Come to me. Come to me. So okay, okay. But what about, and then, you know, my mind began to race, and I had all of these questions, and anxiety was just tightening its grip on my heart. And he said, come to me. He just kept saying that over and over. And I was like, okay, okay, but what about come to me? And eventually I began to settle into his presence. My mind began slow. I began to experience a peace as I was driving along the interstate. And in the quietness, Jesus and me, I heard him say, I know what I'm doing. And I love that. Because that is what he says to all of us. No matter what situation you're navigating, he says, come to me. Again and again, he'll say, come to me, come to me. I know what I'm doing. So maybe a situation, guys, where you've been in the fight and, and you've been struggling with your marriage and you've been struggling to have hope that things are ever going to change, that it's going to get better, and you feel the weight of that. I believe Jesus stands up and says, come to me. I know what I'm doing. Or maybe you feel the weight of financial pressure and stress. Jesus stands up and says, come to me. I know what I'm doing. Maybe you feel stuck in a dead-end job and you're not quite sure what to do or where to go. Jesus stands up. Come to me. Maybe you're stuck in a, a, a pattern of sin and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried to break free and it's discouraging. Jesus stands up, and he says, come to me. But you know what this requires? It requires that we actually come to him and linger with him long enough that he'll begin to show us what he's doing. Show us the picture. I was thinking about this. This is the problem, guys. This is the challenge. We have a Polaroid God in this iPhone world. We come to Jesus, and we have all of these questions, and we, we seek him, and we ask him, but the way he works is he begins to show us the picture slowly. And we're like, hey, Jesus, if you could just, I've got some questions, and so maybe even in 4D, if you can kind of just show me the, the picture of what you want me to do, that would be wonderful. 
And he smiles. And he says, come to me. Okay, but, but come to me. Because this is what I know with absolute certainty. If you will return to him again and again and again, just like that Polaroid picture begins to develop, the picture of what God is doing in each of our lives and how he is leading us and what we are to do, it will become clearer and clearer and clearer. It just will. He's faithful. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things in which you don't know. But it requires that we, we return to him enough to let the picture continue to develop. So sometimes it's slow, but it's coming. And here's the second thing. As we return to Jesus, this is a promise too. As we return to Jesus often, he will give us rest and restoration. Rest and restoration. You know, Matthew chapter 11, this is another place in the Gospels where Jesus is saying, come to me. Let's read this together. Uh, Matthew 11, 28, verse, uh, 28 through 30. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Twice in those three verses, he promises to give us rest if we'll come to him. And Jesus is serious about his promises. This last week has been nuts. It's been crazy. But I have found that there is truth in this. When I do come to him and remain in him, there is a peace. There is a rest that begins to settle in my heart and in my soul. And that's true for every single one of us. I do want to highlight that Jesus said, all who are weary and burdened, you know what that requires, guys? It requires that we actually acknowledge that we're weary and burdened. It requires that we're actually honest about how we're doing and what's happening inside of us. And one of the things that I know as a man and the reality that I've spent thousands of hours pastoring and counseling men, I know that as men, we are really good at stuffing things away. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Got really quiet right there. A little, bit, a little too close to home. We're really good at stuffing things away. All the hard stuff, all the dirty stuff, all the ugly stuff. I'm good. But you know what? You know the challenge of that? All that stuff is resilient. It comes back. Like that beach ball, right? It's resilient. That hard stuff that we try to stuff away, it, it starts to rise again. And we try to stuff it away again, and it rises back over and over again until it finally comes out. And a lot of times the way it comes out is not pretty, and it causes damage. See, Jesus, Jesus wants us to be honest about how we're doing. He wants to give us restoration. Now, here's the thing. As men, again, we're pretty focused externally a lot of times. I'm not saying for everybody, but generally speaking, as men, we're pretty focused outwardly. 
we're aware of what's happening in the news and we're aware of what's happening in Ukraine and we're aware of what's happening in our, in our finances and we're aware of all of these things. But when it comes to the reality of what's really going on in the soul, it's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And the problem with that is that if we're not aware of what's happening in our soul, we become really vulnerable. We become vulnerable for many reasons, but we become vulnerable because then we find ourselves reaching for relief instead of restoration. Now think about this. There is a difference between relief and restoration. Relief is what we reach for to try to get the, just to feel better. Restoration is what Jesus offers when he looks and knows the reality of how we're really doing and what we really need. Right? Relief is just anything that'll just, oh, please, just make it, please, the third bowl of ice cream. It's the binging Netflix. It's the too much alcohol. It's the pornography. It's a host of all of the different things that we can reach for, for that momentary relief. But it never satisfies. But then we have Jesus again, who says, I want to give you restoration. I want to bring you what you really need, what your soul really needs. I mean, think about Psalm 23, one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible. But think about what this is saying about Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He, he restores my soul. You know, in this season of your life, you can be absolutely certain that Jesus is wanting to bring restoration to your soul. Every single one of us need it in some regard. All right? None of us are Superman in the room. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest. I mean, Jeff Hawthorne right here, he looks like Superman. The guy is just, but, but nobody is Superman in the room. We all need some restoration. And Jesus is the one that brings it. Jesus is the one that knows what our soul needs. He's the one that does the heavy lifting, right? But what he wants us to do is be honest. He wants us to be honest about how we're doing and what we're feeling. And guys, Pastor Brady right now is modeling this for us in a really beautiful way. If you've been here at New Life on the last month or so, he's, he's stood up in front of thousands of people to talk about some of the health issues he's navigating. And he's saying, he's saying, I, I realize that the last three years have affected me more than I was even aware of, more than I even realized. And so now he's, he's just wrecking, he's being really intentional to receive some of the care that his body needs. But when I listened to him talk about it, I thought, man, this is so awesome. This is, this is such a great picture of strength and vulnerability. You know, being honest about how we're doing is not weakness. I know many of you grew up hearing that that's weak. Suck it up. Suck it up, buttercup. Come on. And that works for a little bit. But guys, we're talking about the long haul. 
We're talking about decades of, of living. If we want to, to reach the end and be able to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, we've got to be honest along the way about how we're really doing and then let the, 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 the shepherd, the good shepherd, come and do what only he can do, which is to truly bring restoration of soul. And so I want, to, I want to leave you with one question tonight, and I want to encourage you to bring this question to Jesus. All right? Ask Jesus in the coming days what your soul really needs. Just simply say, Jesus, I believe Psalm 23 is true. I believe you are my shepherd. I believe you do lead me to green pastures and quiet waters. I believe, Jesus, that you really do restore my soul. You know what I need. Show me what I need. And settle in and let that Polaroid develop. Let that picture develop because it will. And if you'll be honest about how you're doing, you're going to open up the door for Jesus to come in and do some really, really good work in your soul. And I guarantee you, you won't regret it. Take that question to him. And so I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite the team to come back up, up front. He asked how my daughter is. Thank you. She's doing better. She's going to be okay. All right? She's going to be okay. We've got a lot of hope. And so thank you for asking. The Lord is faithful. He's showing us the way. That picture is developing. But what I want to do tonight here in closing is before we go to the tables and give you some time to connect and process this with some of the guys at your table, I want to, I want to sing this last song as a, as a prayer. And it's the song Abide. And I was praying earlier today what I just sensed uh, the Lord saying is that there are a lot of men in the room who uh, you need to return to him tonight. He's kind. He's good. He's not mad at you. Maybe you, you have felt like you're totally blowing it. But I just sense his heart for you saying, come, come to me, return to me. We just read this. He is gentle in heart. He is not waiting to put a finger in any of your chest. He's saying, come to me, I'm kind. So what I want to do is just, let's just have a, a moment here where we return to Jesus. Maybe you've just been busy, you've been distracted, and you realize, man, I've just been running 100 miles an hour, and I've honestly, I've been kind of living in my own strength, by my own resources. I think I need to return to Jesus. No matter where you're at, let's just have a moment right here, and let's respond to the invitation from Jesus. These three words are coming right at you. They're coming right at me. They're coming right at all of us. These three words, come to me. So just in your own words, just respond to that if you would. In your own way, respond to it. Let's, let's return to Jesus here. Let's set our heart and our mind on him.
Jesus, we come to you. We come to you afresh. Our, our eyes are fixed on you. You are the good shepherd. You are the resurrected one. And so Jesus, our prayer is that we would drift less, that we would wander less, and that we would abide more. Teach us, Jesus, teach us to abide in your presence. Let's sing the song as a prayer to him. Keep your hearts just fixed right on him.
in the life. Sing it out. You're the will that never runs. I'm the branch and you are the vine. Draw me close and teach me. Be my strength. Be my strength. My song in the night. Be my all. My treasure. My prize. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, I, I am always available. There is not a moment of any day where God would say, not now. His arms are always open, and that call is always coming forth. Come to me. And so the last thing I want to do right now is I want you, I know sometimes this is, uncomfortable in men's gatherings. I'm not going to make you hold hands. I wouldn't do that to you. But I do want you, just put your, put your hand, put, put your hand on the shoulder of a man next to you. And let's just pray for fresh strength for the man on your right and your left. Even if you don't know their name, it's okay. Just begin to pray for a fresh strength from God to infuse them and to fill them. Just ask for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to fill their hearts and their minds and pray for their families that the Holy Spirit would come and fill their families afresh. Jesus, we look to you. God, you know every single one of these men. We pray, we do pray for a fresh strength to come upon them, Lord. We pray for a fresh uh, uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon each man in this room. We pray for the Holy Spirit to flood every man's family, God. We pray for encouragement and hope to rise in the hearts of these men, Father. Lord, we pray for anointing to come upon their lives in a new way in this season. The power of the Holy Spirit, that they would fight and that they would wrestle not in their own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lift their eyes to you and remind them daily that their help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, all the men say, amen.